We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 427 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, October 24th, 2022. It is the Monday after homecoming weekends for a number of area football teams, including the Washington Commanders and the Maryland Terrapins. And each team, very interestingly, with a backup quarterback, got a homecoming win over a team from the Midwest in a close game. Funny how that works. Uh, But yes, the Commanders did win. They won. They beat the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon at 23-21. Oh, nothing is ever easy for our team. Nothing is ever pretty for our team. But a win was attained, a second consecutive win from 1-4 to now 3-4. The Commanders 2022 season is alive whether you want it to be or not. You know, I said after they fell to 1-4 and that I wanted one or two things for the Commanders the rest of the season. Them to either go on a great run or them to lose a bunch of games. The middle will do us no good. Either go, say, 9-8 and or better or go, say, 4-13 4-13 and 13 or worse. The middle is a road to nowhere. 6-11, and 7-10 and 10 in that range, a road to nowhere. Well, the record now is 3-4. and four. So if we're going to win some games, we might as well win a bunch of games. And don't look now, but the Commanders are a mere half game behind the 3-3 three and three Los Angeles Rams for the seventh and final playoff spot in the NFC. The Commanders are in NFC wildcard contention, whether you want them to be or not. Hello and welcome to this Commanders postgame show Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Coming up, in-depth reaction to and analysis of the Commanders win, their victory over the Packers. Uh, Next segment, a deep dive on the performance of quarterback Taylor Heineke of Tay-Tay, who uh, was cray-cray Uh, He early in the game was awful, but he then got a lot better, and he ended up making a bunch of big throws. What a game 
for Taylor Heineke in so many different ways. You know, we said of the quarterback for whom Taylor was starting, Carson Wentz, that he and the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in Week 1 gave us the full Carson Wentz experience. Remember that? The full Carson Wentz experience. We talked about that off what Carson did in that win over the Jags. Well, Taylor Heineke in this win over the Packers gave us the full Taylor Heineke experience. I'm not sure which experience was better, the full Carson Wentz experience or the full Taylor Heineke experience, but each was an experience, that's for sure. Uh, After we talk Taylor, we're going to talk Commander's defense. Another good game for the defense on Sunday afternoon. Uh, This, to me, was a really good game for the defense. To me, it is time to acknowledge this commander's defense. And I'm not saying that it is an elite defense, but it is a defense that's playing quite well right now. And the defense on Sunday afternoon stifled quarterback Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, even, yes, with some late-game penalties that made things too close for comfort. And I have a number of other thoughts on and observations from the game to get to with you, including a proper paying of homage to receiver Terry McLaurin, who was so good in the game. Uh, I also want to highlight the work of receiver Curtis Samuel and running back Antonio Gibson. And I will salute the commander's head coach, Rod Rivera, for something that he did in the game. Uh, Look, it may be that what is in the best long-term interest of the commanders is them losing a lot this season, because until this team gets a franchise quarterback, Nothing else matters, and this upcoming 2023 NFL Draft is poised to be a quarterback-rich draft. But I have to say, it is nice to have a win to discuss, and it is nice to, at least for a little while, be able to ponder the possibility of the team turning around its season. And so I'm not going to do a lot on this show on non-football stuff with the Commanders. We will have plenty of future shows on which we can get into the non-football stuff with the Commanders. I mean, they beat the Packers on Sunday afternoon. I want to focus on the game, please. Uh, But a few things real quick of the non-football variety with the Commanders. So Fox Sports NFL insider Jake Glazer on the Fox NFL pregame show on Sunday afternoon, Fox NFL Sunday, uh, relate a conversation that he had with Indianapolis Colts owner and CEO Jim Irsay about our Commanders co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder. And uh, Irsay doubled down on what he said this past Tuesday afternoon about there being merit to removing Dan as owner of the Commanders. Uh, Here was Jay Glazer with Fox Sports' Kurt Menefee. You had a chance to talk to Ursay at length this weekend. Why is he speaking out right now? Well, he really stirred it up this week at the owners' meeting, right? Not only that, when I talked to him this week at length, he doubled down. Kurt, I asked him exactly what you just said. And his quote to me was, I do not feel it's in the best interest of the Shield and the NFL. This is not how we should be represented. And it's regrettable that we have to be in this position. Then I said to him, did you fear any backlash about this? And he said, no, I'm going to talk about it. I will not be muzzled, and I will stand by it. Hey, it sounds like he's doubling down yeah. or maybe tripling down right Triple now. Down, right. So does he have the backing of other owners? you think other owners agree with him? You know what? I would have said if you asked me this a year ago, I'd probably say no. But I think that that sentiment is starting to change. When I asked him that, he said, well, listen, we're bound as owners to listen to the fans, and we cannot put our heads in the sand on this. All right, so they need 24 votes in order to remove him as Washington owner. Does Zerse and you think that he believes that they have that many votes? Well, here's what's going to happen now. So 
everybody's waiting for a report that the NFL is doing on the Washington football team. Once that report comes in, then they can really dive in. The next owner's meeting is in December. And I said, once you get that report, what happens there? And he says, I do believe that the concerns that I have will merit a serious discussion amongst all the owners. I don't want to see this swept under the rug again. Double down, triple down. So there you go. Jim Irsay not backing down at all. Uh, oh, by the way, who's next for the Commanders? Yes, Jim Irsay's Colts. The 3-4 and four Commanders at the 3-3-1 three, three and one Colts this Sunday afternoon at 425. What might happen on the field before the game between Dan Snyder and Jim Irsay? Between the Danny and the Jimmy? We can only wonder. Uh, meantime, Dan Snyder's wife, the Commander's other co-owner and co-CEO, Tanya Snyder, uh, she on Sunday said the R word. Uh, now, it's hard to tell whether she meant to do this or if this was a slip up. I tend to think that this was a slip up, but you can decide for yourself. Here she was on a stage at FedEx Field talking up some all time Redskins greats. Yeah, I said it. And so did Tanya. Here you go. Look at this group here. I'd like to welcome on the stage the three legends that you all know very well. Art Monk, Doug Williams, and Mark Rippin. Hail to the Redskins, and let's beat Green Bay. Yes, hail to the Redskins, and let's beat Green Bay. Not hail to the Commanders. Hail to the Redskins. Now, again, hard to know with complete certainty whether that was a slip-up by Tanya Snyder, but my guess would be yes. I mean, I don't have a problem with her saying hail to the Redskins, but I know that the team is very intent on the rebrand, so I'd be surprised if she said hail to the Redskins on purpose. But you know what? Who the heck knows? And then one more thing from what was the Commander's alumni homecoming weekend. So among the many Redskins, yes, Redskins, all-time greats in attendance at FedEx Field, was former Skins kicker Mark Mosley. His son is Mark Mosley Jr., who has been a major critic of Dan Snyder. Well, Mark Mosley Jr., on Sunday evening, put out a photo of his dad, the great Mark Mosley, with a name tag that featured the name Mosley misspelled. Uh, Mosley, as in Mark Mosley, is spelled M-O-S-E-L-E-Y. The name tag had Mosley spelled M-O-S-L-E-Y and wrote Mark Mosley Jr. above this photo that he put out on Twitter, quote, can't even spell my dad's name right at homecoming weekend. It's really sad, end quote. Uh, now, look, you might say, hey, M-O-S-E-L-E-Y, M-O-S-L-E-Y. I mean, honest mistake. These things happen. And yeah, you're right. Probably is an honest mistake. And these things do happen. But these things keep happening with the commanders. We just danced this dance not long ago with the complete mess that was that website commandlegacy.com, a website that was filled with spelling and factual errors regarding all-time greats for the franchise. 
that these mistakes keep happening is embarrassing. That this sloppiness is not getting cleaned up is embarrassing. It's one thing to make a mistake. We all make mistakes. I've made a million of them in my life, okay? But the idea is you don't keep making the same mistakes, okay? This team keeps making the same mistakes. This team can't spell names correctly. This team doesn't get facts correct. And that you put a name tag on a guy who is one of the greats in the history of the franchise and you misspelled his last name. And it's not some massive crime against humanity, but you should demonstrate the attention to detail to get this stuff right. Because if you can't get the little stuff right, then you're probably not going to be getting the bigger stuff right. And that this team still can't get this stuff right. I just can't get over that. And this reflects extremely poorly on not just Dan Snyder, but on also the team president, Jason Wright, because something like this falls under his purview, okay? And his operation continues to get this stuff wrong. But hey, the commanders beat the Packers, and that's what truly matters, at least on this Monday. Uh, Also on the show, by the way, I will talk college football, uh, breakdowns of games for Maryland, Navy, Liberty, James Madison, and Old Dominion on Saturday. The Terrapins were without star quarterback Talia Tungavailoa. Got a scare from lowly Northwestern, but won 31-24 to improve to 6-2 and two overall. Best eight-game start to a season for Maryland since 2010. And how about Liberty? A stunning 41-14 blowout of BYU. The Flames were nearly ranked in the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll that came out on Sunday afternoon. Uh, also, I'll give you some thoughts on the Wizards and Capitals weekends. The Wiz went 1-1 one one over the weekend, a 102-100 win over the Chicago Bulls at Capital One Arena on Friday night, and then a wild 117-107 overtime loss at the Cleveland Cavaliers on Sunday night. And the Caps got a win in their lone game over the weekend. They overcame a 2-0 third-period deficit in a 4-3 win over the Los Angeles Kings at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Lots of feedback on the commanders off their win over the Packers. Tweet from Dave Lent on Taylor Heineke. Rides Dave, started rusty and nervous, settled down, synced up, delivered a big-time performance in a big game against a big-time quarterback total team effort. A tweet from District Sports Talk on the improvement of the commander's defense, writes District Sports Talk, no coincidence, it's when Cam Curl returned. Interesting point. Email from Dr. CCB, writes the good doctor, I am literally at the game typing this now. Joey Sly is a bum (laughs) and gots to go with already having a limited offense. We need every point that we can get and field goals under 50 yards should be automatic. Galdi, help me. Should we start looking for field goal kickers. Uh, Thank you for the email, Dr. CCB. I hope you enjoyed your attendance at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. Well, look, I think we all learned a valuable lesson last season, and that is if you're going to cut your kicker, make sure that the kicker for whom you're cutting your kicker is an upgrade over the kicker who you're cutting, if that makes sense. Uh, We all went through the Chris Blewett experience last season. We never, ever, ever want to repeat of that 
So, you know, with Joey Sly, like, is he perfect? No. But if you're going to cut him, you better make sure that you're going to do better than him. And I don't know that you can be sure of that now. Joey Sly was very good on field goals for Washington last season. He's been spotty these last two games. He's had a miss in each of the last two games. We'll do some more on Joey later in the show. Email from Stanley Evans, right? Stanley, Galdi, I almost threw up watching that last play unfold with all of those laterals. That was way too close. To keep it in context, Green Bay is not very good, but I guess neither are we, so we'll take the victory. The NFC Conference is awful as a whole. You could argue that the best teams in the NFC are all from the NFC East. It could come down to us and the Cowboys for a wild card spot. That's if we keep this streak going. What do you think? Uh, thank you for the email, Stanley. You know, just the fact that you're bringing up the commanders being in wild card contention says a lot. Uh, we have come quite a ways over these last two weeks. Look, the commanders aren't a very good team, but that doesn't mean that they can't become a good team as this season progresses. And the truth is, the NFL regular season, and this is part of what makes it so much fun, is a small sample of games, just 17 games now. Uh, you can fake it over the course of a season. You can be, say, a 7-10 and 10 team that finds a way to go 9-8 and eight and sneaks into the playoffs as a wildcard team. Are the 2022 Commanders that kind of a team? Uh, I'm not prepared to say yes right now, but, you know, it's not inconceivable. We can at least entertain the thought. Uh, well, I mentioned Dan and Tanya Snyder and Ron Rivera. Uh, did you know that all three are cancer survivors? Uh, Ron in 2020 battled skin cancer, what was squamous cell carcinoma. Skin cancer is among the most common of all cancers in the United States. But the good news is that skin cancer also is among the most curable forms of cancer. Get checked, get screened, and someone who very much can help you with that is Dr. George Verghese. Uh, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings. Yes, free. Call 301-396-3401 and make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Dr. Verghese is a board-certified dermatologist and Mohs surgeon. He is one of the nation's premier dermatologists. He's a big fan of the Commanders. He's a loyal listener of this podcast, and operating under his direction is the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Uh, the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland diagnoses and treats a broad range of acute and chronic skin conditions, including skin cancer. And yes, Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland offer free skin cancer screenings and offer state-of-the-art treatments for skin cancer. Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland are the DMV's number one outlet for Mohs Skin Cancer Surgery and for Superficial Radiation Therapy, or SRT, which is an alternative to surgical procedures for basal cell and squamous cell skin cancers. You won't find better, more state-of-the-art, or more comprehensive skin treatment and services than what you can get from Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland. Early detection and treatment of skin cancer save lives. If you have questions or concerns about your skin, call Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland at 301-396-3401. That's 301-396-3401. Make sure that you tell the Institute that Al Galdi sent you. That's 301-396-3401. You can also visit MidAtlanticSkin.com. That's MidAtlanticSkin.com. 
Dr. George Verghese and the Mid-Atlantic Skin Surgery Institute of Maryland, nationally recognized for treating skin cancer across the Mid-Atlantic region. Thank you to everyone who has rated and reviewed the podcast. Uh, You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a brief review saying that you like the podcast. Uh, You and I have had many conversations about Commander's quarterback Taylor Heineke on this podcast. I, in those conversations, have referred to Taylor as a high-variance quarterback, as a guy whose good can be great and whose bad can be awful. Taylor, over his 15 starts for Washington in the 2021 regular season, had some excellent games and had some atrocious games. But I don't know that he ever had a game that was both excellent and atrocious in the same game. Well, we now have what Taylor did in the Commander's 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. But before we get to Taylor, it is now official. Uh, Quarterback Carson Wentz is on the reserve injured list. Uh, The Commander's on Saturday placed Carson on injured reserve, so he will miss at least four games due to the fractured finger on his right hand that he suffered in the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday night football in week six. As the streak continues, and the streak to which I am referring is the streak of veteran QB1s acquired by Washington, who in their first seasons with Washington wind up on injured reserve. Uh, Alex Smith in 2018, Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2021, and now Carson Wentz in 2022. If it wasn't for bad luck for Washington with quarterbacks, there would be no luck at all. And so Taylor Heineke on Sunday afternoon was the commander starting quarterback for the first time in the 2022 regular season. I wondered, I'm guessing that you wondered, hey, might it be, could it be that Taylor Heineke will be an upgrade at quarterback for the commanders over Carson Wentz given the circumstances of this season? Well, this game ended up being, to me anyway, the ultimate microcosm of Taylor Heineke the perfect capturing of the high-variance nature of Taylor Heineke. He was horrendous over the first 17 minutes of the game, and he was good the rest of the game. Uh, Taylor, in the first quarter on Sunday afternoon, went 0-4 with multiple near picks. He began the game just 1-7 of for just 18 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick six. I mean, it would be hard to script an appreciably worse beginning to a game for an NFL quarterback. One of seven, 18 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick six. But Taylor, over the rest of the game, 19 to 26 for 183 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. Taylor went from being abysmal over the first quarter and change to being efficient, productive, and clutch over the rest of the game. I mean, it's hard to remember another game to this extreme from a Washington quarterback, a guy who went from being so bad to then being quite good as the game went on. Uh, The good from Taylor Heineke in this game. His two touchdown passes were terrific throws and came on drives that included other good throws. Uh, The commander's fifth offensive drive, a 12-play, 83-yard drive, 
that consumed six minutes, eight seconds off the clock, resulted in Taylor's second quarter, third and eight, nine-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson, who did a great job of making sure that he got both feet in bounds and making the catch in the back of the end zone. Ensuing extra point cut the commander's deficit to 14-10. A very good throw by Taylor. And also on the drive, the eighth snap on a third and one for the commanders at the Packers 41. Taylor Heineke, a six-yard pistol play action completion to receiver Terry McLaurin on a nice sidearm throw. And notice that each play that I just took you through was a third down play. The commanders in this win over the Packers, seven of 16 on third downs. This off the commanders over the previous two games having gone a wretched three of 22 on third downs. So right there was an appreciable upgrade for the commanders offense on Sunday afternoon, a lot better on third downs. So the commanders eighth offensive drive was the opening drive of the second half, a five play 74 yard drive resulted in Taylor Heineke's third quarter, first and 10, 37 yard shotgun play action touchdown bomb to Terry McLaurin on a perfectly thrown ball by Taylor. The ensuing extra point gave the commanders a 17-14 lead. I cannot emphasize how great of a throw this was by Taylor. And, you know, you think about where we were at in the game at the time. Taylor's first 19 pass attempts in the game went for just 53 yards. This touchdown pass on its own went for 37 yards. And also on the drive, first snap, Taylor had a first and 10 four-yard under center play action boot completion to receiver Dax Milne on a plan which Taylor took a shot from linebacker Quay Walker. Uh, you know, Taylor did take some shots in this game. And, you know, it was interesting to me. This was the first bootleg for Taylor in the game. I did not like how offensive coordinator Scott Turner did not have Taylor on the move in the first half. We did see Taylor on the move to at least some extent in the second half. I don't know why we had to wait a half for that to happen. Uh, and also on the drive, fifth snap. Taylor had a second and seven nine-yard shotgun play action completion to tight end Armani Rogers, who was wide open in the middle of the field. Uh, Taylor Heineke made a number of other clutch throws in the second half on Sunday afternoon. The commander's ninth offensive drive, a 16-play, 72-yard drive that consumed a whopping eight minutes, 48 seconds off the clock, resulted in kicker Joey Sly's 31-yard field goal with eight seconds left in the third quarter for a 2014 Commanders lead. Third snap of the drive, third and two for the Commanders at their 23. Taylor Haneke, a 17-yard shotgun completion to Armani Rogers off Taylor doing a terrific job of scrambling up the pocket, adjusting his arm angle, and throwing on the run. Sixth snap of the drive, third and 11 for the Commanders at their 39. Taylor Haneke, a 12-yard shotgun completion to receiver Curtis Samuel, who made a terrific leaping catch. But again, Third down conversions. Uh, 13th snap of the drive. First and 10 for the Commanders at the Packers 16. Taylor Haneke somehow got off a four yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin despite being under like immediate siege and taking a hit from linebacker Devondre Campbell. Uh, the Commanders 11th offensive drive. This was the drive that came off the Packers having just cut the Commanders lead to 23 21. The drive did result in a late fourth quarter punt, but the fifth snap of the drive. Third and nine for the Commanders at their 44. Taylor Heineke, another third down conversion. And this one came while being pressured by interior defensive lineman Kenny Clark. Taylor got off a 12-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin, who battled back to make a leaping catch in front of corner Jair Alexander. Uh, the likes of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Antonio Gibson were so good in this game. More on them 
later in the show. Uh, the bad from Taylor Heineke in this game. Uh, well, there was plenty of bad. Okay, look, I mean, he got off to a really bad start. Uh, the pick six, brutal. Commander's fourth offensive drive, fifth snap of the drive, early second quarter, third and five for the Commander's at the Packers 41. Taylor Heineke, a 63-yard pick six to linebacker Devondre Campbell. Taylor on a shotgun pass, got hit by linebacker Rashawn Gary, and Campbell had running back J.D. McKissick well covered, ripped the ball away from McKissick, and then sprinted to the end zone. Uh, the ensuing extra point gave the Commanders a 14-3 lead. Taylor threw that ball to McKissick way too late, and the play ended up being a disaster. Uh, Taylor had multiple near picks and being off on a number of throws early in the game. You know, he's lucky that he only had one pick in this game. Commander's first offensive drive started at their three, uh, thanks to a 55-yard punt by the Packers' Pat O'Donnell that went out of bounds at the Commander's three. The drive resulted in a first quarter three and out, third snap of the drive, third and seven for the Commander's at their six. Taylor Haneke, a dangerous deep ball that was nearly intercepted by corner Rasul Douglas, and the reason that the ball was not intercepted was that Terry McLaurin came over and acted as a defensive back in breaking up Douglas's attempt at the catch. Uh, also on the play was Taylor taking a shot from linebacker Rashawn Gary, a center Tyler Larson got pushed back big time. Uh, the commander's second offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. First snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke did have a nice scramble, a first and 10 five-yard shotgun scramble, but the third snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke way off and throwing behind Terry McLaurin on a third and three shotgun incompletion that nearly resulted in an interception by corner Jair Alexander. Uh, the commander's third offensive drive started at the Packers 17, thanks to a lost fumble by receiver Amari Rogers on a muff catch of a punt safety. Percy Butler recovering the fumble, so outstanding field position for the commanders, right, starting at the Packers 17, but the drive resulted in a field goal as opposed to a touchdown. The drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 22-yard field goal that cut the Packers' lead to 7-3. Fifth snap of the drive, third and goal for the commanders at the three. Taylor Haneke threw way high and out of the end zone on a shotgun pass intended for tight end Cole Turner in the end zone. Uh, the commanders' fifth offensive drive. This did result in Taylor Haneke's second quarter nine-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Antonio Gibson, but the fourth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the commanders at their 30. Taylor had a near pick to corner Rasul Douglas on a shotgun pass intended for Curtis Samuel who was well covered. And don't forget, Taylor Haneke nearly had a killer lost fumble. Uh, the commander's sixth offensive drive started at the Packers' 43, resulted in Joey Sly's second quarter missed 47-yard field goal attempt. Third snap of the drive, third and six for the commanders at the Packers' 39. Antonio Gibson drew a five-yard illegal contact penalty on corner Eric Stokes, negating a lost fumble by Taylor Haneke that resulted in a 62-yard fumble return for a touchdown by corner Rasul Douglas. Uh, Taylor Heineke in the first half nearly had both a pick six and a fumble six. So yeah, man, okay. Uh, things were dicey with Tay-Tay early in the game. But like I said, he got better, a lot better as the game went on. Here was Taylor Heineke during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, so the first half, you know, I had some jitters. Um, again, haven't played a, a full game in a long time. Um, and I was excited. Uh, so there, there's a lot of missed throws there in the first half, but the, the promising thing was I was on all the right reads. Uh, you kind of go back and look at the tablet, and you know I was, I was throwing the right guys, just wasn't completing them. Um, so that you know that's promising in the fact that you can change that. You can kind of work on that and change it, just complete the ball. So uh, the second half, I feel like I did that a lot better, and um, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, look, this game could have ended up being a debacle of a game 
for Taylor Heineke. I, during the first half, tweeted, would Sam Howell really be worse than this? I mean, that's how bad Taylor Heineke was over the first 17 minutes of this game. He was about as bad as you will see an NFL quarterback be. Uh, Taylor has a lot that he needs to clean up. And as I alluded to earlier, Scott Turner could have done a better job in terms of play calling in the first half. Way too little of Taylor on the run and in moving pockets. But this ended up not being a debacle of a game for Taylor Heineke. Major props to him for about as drastic of an in-game turnaround as you'll see an NFL quarterback have. Well, speaking of turning things around, Dr. Matthew Mintz has a much better way of losing weight for you if you have struggled to lose weight or have lost weight, but then put the weight back on. Your previous approaches to losing weight are like Taylor Heineke in the first quarter and change in the win over the Packers. Dr. Matthew Mintz's approach to losing weight is like Taylor over the rest of the game. Uh, Dr. Matthew Mintz is a board-certified internal medicine physician and weight loss expert in Bethesda, Maryland. Dr. Mintz understands your frustration because he himself has struggled with being overweight. You see, there's a reason that most weight loss programs fail, and that's because the human body has evolved over time to prevent you from losing weight. And while these mechanisms were protective hundreds of years ago, today these mechanisms just make weight loss extremely difficult. Well, the solution is medical weight loss. By using prescription medications that fight the factors that prevent weight loss, Dr. Mintz will help you achieve your weight loss goals. And not only will you lose the weight, but you'll keep the weight off. And while you may have tried weight loss medications in the past, there now are newer medications that are not only safe and effective, but also can achieve nearly the same weight loss as surgery. You see, Dr. Mintz does not use powders, shakes, or other special foods that you need to purchase. Instead, he uses prescription medications and personalized lifestyle changes and he'll give you the support that you need to succeed. Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program includes an initial in-person comprehensive evaluation, blood work, and a customized weight loss plan, in-person or virtual follow-up visits to keep you on track, a full year of phone calls and emails to answer questions or troubleshoot problems, and one year of prescription medications for weight loss. The good news is that many, if not all of these things, will be covered by or reimbursable through your insurance. Dr. Matthew Mintz, he has been in practice for over 25 years. He serves as clinical faculty at the George Washington University School of Medicine, and he is consistently ranked as a top doctor by Washingtonian Magazine. He is a huge Commanders fan and a loyal listener of the Al Galdi podcast. If you are ready to lose your excess weight the right way, Find out more about Dr. Matthew Mintz's medical weight loss program by calling 855-646-8963. That's 855-646-8963. And make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit drmintz.com. That's D-R-Mintz, M-I-N-T-Z.com. And click on medical weight loss. That's 855-646-8963 or drmintz.com, and make sure that you tell Dr. Mintz that Al Galdi sent you. Well, lost in all that is going on with the Commanders is something that, at least to me, is a very big deal. And that something is the rise of the team's defense. Uh, A defense that overall was a major disappointment last season, a defense that didn't look so good in the preseason, 
and a defense that was really bad in the loss at the Detroit Lions in week two. Uh, that defense right now is in a very nice place. Uh, the commander's defense in this 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon was very good. And the defense now has played at least well enough to win in each of the team's last five games. The truth is this, the defense was really bad in that loss at the Lions, but the defense has been at least decent in the team's other six games in this 2022 regular season. And the defense in this win over the Packers was dominant. Uh, Now, yes, the Packers offense is a mess right now. There's no doubt about that. It was odd watching that game on Sunday afternoon and seeing an Aaron Rodgers quarterback Packers offense look as bad as that Packers offense looked. Uh, Rodgers isn't totally right. He has been dealing with his right thumb ailment. Uh, Packers pass catchers on Sunday afternoon, guilty of multiple drops. The Packers offense was an injury-ravaged mess for the game. Uh, Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari inactive due to a knee injury. You know, the Packers starting offensive line featured just one player in the same spot as in the Packers' previous game, and the Packers were missing a number of key receivers. The Packers on Saturday placed receiver Randall Cobb on the reserve injured list due to an ankle injury. Receiver Christian Watson was inactive on Sunday afternoon due to a hamstring injury. Receiver Alan Lazard on Sunday afternoon suffered a shoulder injury during the game. But what's also true is that the commander's defense has been dealing with its own stuff, right? Edge defender Chase Young, he has not played on a single snap this season. He has been on the reserve physically unable to perform list since August 23rd. Hopefully he's coming off that soon, but you know, we don't know. And he's still on that list for now. Uh, Interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis. He has been on the reserve injured list since September 12th. He got injured in the first quarter of the win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at FedEx Field in week one. Uh, We have the mess that is the situation involving corner William Jackson III, who on Sunday afternoon was inactive for a second consecutive game, ostensibly due to his back injury. But we know that there's a lot more to his situation, right? He got benched in the commander's loss to the Tennessee Titans at FedEx Field at week five. He wants to be traded per a report on October 13th from NFL insiders Ian Rappaport, Mike Garofolo, and Tom Pelissero of NFL Network and NFL.com. And so make no mistake, the commander's defense in the win over the Packers played very well. Uh, Defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio, his assistants, and commander's defensive players are doing a really good job. And for whatever reason, they're not getting a lot of credit for this right now. I find this odd because if the defense was struggling, people would be harpooning Jack, his assistants, and commander's defensive players. The defense is playing well. It's okay to say that. Uh, You start with this. The commanders on Sunday afternoon held the Packers to 0 of 6 on third downs. Yes, 0 of 6. The Packers, the Aaron Rodgers quarterback Packers, did not convert a single third down the entire game. Think back to last season and how awful Washington's defense was on third downs. Heck, think back to this past preseason and how bad the commander's defense was on third downs. To whatever extent you want to value the preseason, I understand that. The commanders now in this 2022 regular season have held opposing teams to a combined 26 of 88 on third downs, 29.55%. 
That is sensational. Third down defense. Washington has gone from being horrendous on third downs defensively last season to being outstanding on third downs defensively this season. Uh, The commanders on Sunday afternoon held Aaron Rodgers to a mere 194 yards on 35 pass attempts. That works out to just 5.54 yards per pass attempt. And yes, some of this was drops by the Packers, but a lot of this was good defense by the Commanders. Uh, The Packers' fifth offensive drive resulted in a late second quarter punt, the first snap of the drive, the snap right before the first half two-minute warning. Linebacker Jamin Davis, uh, he tackled running back Aaron Jones for a loss of five yards on an Aaron Rodgers first and 10 under center completion to Jones, who essentially got suplexed to the ground by Jamin. Uh, The Packers' seventh offensive drive was their first offensive drive of the second half, resulted in a third-quarter punt. The fifth snap of the drive, corner Rashad Wild Goose, a pass defense on an Aaron Rodgers third-and-two shotgun incompletion intended for receiver Romeo Dobbs. The Packers' eighth offensive drive resulted in a fourth-quarter turnover on downs. The eighth snap of the drive on a fourth-and-one for the Packers at their 37-quarter. Kendall Fuller forced an incompletion on an Aaron Rodgers shotgun incompletion intended for Romeo Dobbs as Dobbs lost control of the ball as he was being swung around by Fuller. Even on the Packers' ninth offensive drive, which resulted in the Aaron Rodgers' fourth quarter, first and 10, 21-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Aaron Jones, the second snap of the drive, second and two for the Packers at their 23 linebacker Cole Holcomb and edge defender Casey Tuhill combined to tackle Aaron Jones for a one-yard loss on an Aaron Rodgers shotgun completion to Jones. Uh, The commander's run defense was very good again. They held Packers running backs Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon to combined 12 carries for 38 yards. That works out to just 3.17 yards per carry. How about what happened on the Packers' fourth offensive drive resulted in a second quarter three and out. First snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Packers at their 25. The commander's defensive line got fabulous penetration on what ended up being a run by Aaron Jones for a six-yard loss. Uh, Safety Cameron Curl got credit for the tackle, but this play was made by the commander's defensive line, which was just excellent on this play. Uh, The Packers' second offensive drive resulted in Aaron Rodgers' other touchdown pass, the first quarter second and goal four-yard under center play action touchdown pass to Aaron Jones. The ensuing extra point gave the Pack a 7-0 lead, but the snap right before the touchdown, first and goal at the three, Jamin Davis and edge defender James Smith-Williams tackled Aaron Jones on a shotgun handoff run for a one-yard loss. Uh, the commander's defense did a really good job against the Packers. And yes, the Packers are not rolling offensively right now, okay? No doubt. The Packers are in a bad place offensively right now, no doubt. But the commander's defense didn't just do kind of, sort of okay on Sunday afternoon, all right? The commander's defense played at a very high level on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Now, that said, there are some nits to pick. Uh, The commander's defense committed multiple costly penalties, including three major penalties on a key fourth quarter Packers touchdown drive. So that Packers ninth offensive drive, eight plays, 75 yards, resulted in Aaron Rodgers' fourth quarter 21-yard touchdown pass to Aaron Jones on a broken play and the ensuing extra point cut the commander's lead to 23-21. So much of this drive 
penalties by the commander's defense. Third snap of the drive corner, Benjamin St. Juice, a third and three, four-yard illegal use of hands penalty. Eighth snap of the drive on a third and six for the Packers at the commander's 49. Edge defender Montez Sweat committed a five-yard illegal use of hands penalty. Tenth snap of the drive and the snap right before the touchdown on a second and five for the Packers at the commander's 39. Interior defensive lineman Deron Payne committed a roughing the passer penalty that was declined, and Kendall Fuller committed an 18-yard pass interference penalty that was accepted. So note, I said three major penalties on this drive, three major accepted penalties on this drive. The commanders were guilty of four total penalties on this drive. You also had what happened on the Packers' fifth offensive drive. Now, this drive did result in a late second quarter punt, but the second snap of the drive of the snap right after the first half two-minute warning, second and 15 for the Packers at their 32. Rashad Wild Goose committed an obvious nine-yard pass interference penalty and covering receiver Alan Lazard. Uh, also, the Commanders had no sacks and just one quarterback hit. This off the Commanders over their previous two games, having totaled 10 sacks and 25 quarterback hits. But I did think that the Commanders' pass rush was okay. I mean, not great, but I didn't think it was as bad as the totals of no sacks and one quarterback hit would suggest. The Commanders did pressure Aaron Rodgers. He just tended to get rid of balls quickly. Uh, Also, the commander's defense generated no takeaways in the game, all right? But still, to me, there was a lot to like with the commander's defense on Sunday afternoon. Here was head coach Rod Rivera during his post-game press conference on Sunday afternoon on the difference between the commander's defense now versus the defense during the four-game losing streak, weeks two through five. Well, I think one thing is we've been able to limit the explosives. You know, that's something that has been haunting us a little bit. But again, I do think the pass rush, you know, um, Aaron did some good things, got the ball out quick, but we were we were there. And, and when you force a guy of his ability to throw the ball quicker than he really wants to, I think that helps you on the defense. I thought our guys were, were, were handling the run pretty well. You know, they, they, they're a terrific running football team, and to be able to slow that down says a lot about what we did on defense. Yes, it does. Up next, much more on the Commander's win over the Packers, including a look at very good games for receivers Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel And Antonio Gibson, is he in fact the best running back on the Commanders right now? Well, as you surely know, internet security and privacy are big issues. A great way to ensure internet security and privacy is with a VPN. VPN stands for Virtual Private Network. A VPN is a tool that encrypts your internet traffic and hides your IP address and virtual location. A VPN significantly boosts your online privacy and security, and there's no VPN that's better than NordVPN. Uh, The setup is easy. The benefits are many. You can secure your online data from internet thieves and third parties. You won't need to worry about unsecure websites or unsecure apps anymore. You won't need to worry about being on public Wi-Fi anymore. All of your internet traffic will be routed through a remote server. So you can access websites that are restricted in your country. You can have access to sports from all over the world and can have access to, say, not just the U.S. version of Netflix, but also the United Kingdom's version of Netflix. Uh, Also, NordVPN has a threat protection feature that'll mean that you no longer have to worry about intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes the file before it makes a mess of your computer. And NordVPN allows you to secure up to six devices on one account. 
So here's what you do. Go to NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi to get your subscription started. You can receive a huge discount on it to your plan and get a free month. That's NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. That's NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. NordVPN.com slash Al Galdi. If you would like to sponsor the Al Galdi podcast, if you would like to advertise your business or practice on the pod and reach thousands of people every episode, we'd love to have you. Hit us up. You can email us, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. More now on the commanders, off them getting to three and four with the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. So I earlier in the show talked about quarterback Taylor Heineke. I want to begin this segment by highlighting some other offensive standouts for the commanders in the game. And let us talk commanders at receivers. So the commanders for this game were without two receivers. Uh, Jahan Dodson was inactive for a third consecutive game due to a hamstring injury that he suffered in the loss at the Dallas Cowboys at week four. He aggravated the injury in practice this past Thursday. Also, Deami Brown was inactive for this game due to a groin injury, but active for this game, very much active, was receiver Terry McLaurin, and he was tremendous. His final stat line does not do his performance justice. Uh, Terry finished with five receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. Those are, you know, good numbers. They're not like spectacular numbers, but Terry McLaurin was a force in this game. The nature of so many of those catches, so big, and he prevented an interception in the game. So Terry had the touchdown catch, Commander's eighth offensive drive, opening drive of the second half, Taylor Heineke, third quarter, first and 10, 37-yard shotgun play action, touchdown bomb to Terry on a perfectly thrown ball by Taylor. Terry made a very nice catch, ran a very nice route, ensuing extra point, gave the Commanders a 17-14 lead. But how about Terry McLaurin's work late in the game? The Commanders' 11th offensive drive came off the Packers, having just cut the Commanders' lead to 23-21, resulted in a late fourth-quarter punt. But the second snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a second-and-six, 14-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin on a screen. And Terry, on this play, did an excellent job of staying inbounds on the play In battling corner, Jair Alexander, who made the tackle, Terry, in staying inbounds, forced the Packers to use their first second half timeout. That was such a smart, impressive play by Terry McLaurin, staying inbounds as he did. And then on the fifth snap of the drive, on a third and nine for the Commanders at their 44, Taylor Heineke, while being pressured by interior defensive lineman Kenny Clark, got off a 12-yard shotgun completion to Terry McLaurin, who battled back to make a leaping catch in front of corner Jair Alexander. Two big clutch receptions by Terry McLaurin on that drive. Just spectacular work by Terry in this game. And he prevented a pick. Uh, The commander's first offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. The third snap of the drive, third and seven for the commanders at their six. Taylor Heineke, a dangerous deep ball that was nearly intercepted by corner Rasul Douglas. And the reason that the ball was not intercepted was that Terry McLaurin came over and acted as a defensive back and breaking up Douglas's attempt at the catch on what was a shotgun throw 
by Taylor Heineke. So yeah, lots of good stuff from Terry McLaurin. Lots of good stuff from receiver Curtis Samuel. He was very good for the commanders in this win over the Packers. I mean, how about Curtis Samuel, by the way? I mean, you never hear anything about his health. You know, he has been this season a pillar of durability of last season, having been anything but. Uh, Curtis has been good for the commanders this season. He, in this game on Sunday afternoon, had five receptions for 53 yards on eight targets and had five carries for 26 yards. So the commander's third offensive drive resulted in kicker Joey Sly's first quarter 22-yard field goal that cut the Packers' lead to 7-3. Second snap of the drive on a second and six for the commanders at the Packers' 13. Curtis Samuel, an eight-yard shotgun handoff run on a play on which tight end Armani Rogers, who was a quarterback in college, took a direct snap. Uh, the commander's fourth offensive drive resulted in Taylor Heineke's second quarter, third and five, 63-yard shotgun pick six to linebacker Devondre Campbell. But the second snap of that drive and the first snap of the second quarter, Taylor a second and six, 14-yard shotgun play action completion to Curtis Samuel. The commander's eighth offensive drive resulted in Taylor's third quarter touchdown pass to Terry McLaurin. Third snap of the drive, Curtis Samuel a first and 10, 16-yard under center handoff run on an end-around play. The commander's ninth offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's 31-yard field goal with eight seconds left in the third quarter for a 2014 commander's lead. The fifth snap of the drive, Curtis Samuel did have a negative run. Uh, He was tackled, uh, in fact, by former Redskins edge defender Preston Smith on a second and eight under-center toss run for a three-yard loss. But then on the sixth snap of the drive, on a third and 11 for the commanders at their 39, Taylor Haneke a 12-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel, who made a terrific leaping catch. Uh, The commander's 10th offensive drive, nine plays, 61 yards, consumed four minutes, 42 seconds off the clock, resulted in Joey Sly's fourth quarter 19-yard field goal for a 23-14 commander's lead. Third snap of the drive on a third and eight for the commanders at their 39. Taylor Heineke, a 26-yard shotgun completion to Curtis Samuel, who was wide open and also on the play was a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on quarter Eric Stokes, who shoved Curtis after the play. The seventh snap of the drive on a second and goal at the seven. Taylor, a five-yard shotgun play action completion to Curtis Samuel. Uh, Also, Curtis threw a great block in the game. Commander's Fifth offensive drive resulted in Taylor Heineke's second quarter, third and eight, nine-yard shotgun touchdown pass to running back Antonio Gibson. The ninth snap of the drive on a first and 10 for the Commanders at the Packers, 35, running back Brian Robinson Jr., a 24-yard shotgun handoff run on which he nearly fumbled, uh, but Curtis Samuel had a great block on the run. Curtis did have a drop of the Commanders' First offensive drive resulted in a first quarter three and out. Second snap of the drive, second and seven for the commanders at their six. Curtis, uh, a drop on a shotgun incompletion by Taylor Heineke. This was the play that was initially ruled a completion, but Packers head coach and, uh, of course, former Redskins quarterbacks coach Matt LaFleur successfully challenged the play. Uh, the throw by Taylor was a bit high, uh, so Curtis had to try to make a leaping catch, but he bobbled the ball and lost it as he came down. But we can forgive that drop. Uh, Really good game, I thought, for Curtis Samuel. I mentioned Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, Look, Robinson is coming off having been shot multiple times in an incident in Washington, D.C. on August 28th. I mean, that still sounds so weird to say, doesn't it? The guy's coming off having been shot, you know? Like, this guy's coming off a hamstring, this other guy's coming off a knee, and this guy's coming off having been shot, yeah. Uh, So you gotta give Brian Robinson Jr. time to get going here. Uh, This win over the Packers was just Robinson's 
third career NFL regular season game. But all of that said, right now, to me, the best running back on the Commanders is Antonio Gibson. And there's, of course, irony in that because Robinson, during the preseason, supplanted Gibson as the commander's number one running back. And as we were going through the preseason, it so felt like Robinson's stock up, Gibson's stock down. But right now, Antonio Gibson is the better back. And knock on wood, Gibson isn't fumbling. Uh, Brian Robinson Jr. in the win over the Packers, 20 carries for 73 yards and two receptions for 13 yards on two targets. He wasn't terrible, but he, to me, had too many non-successful runs. He was especially ineffective on some red zone runs. Antonio Gibson in the win over the Packers, really good. 10 carries for 59 yards, three receptions for 18 yards and a touchdown on four targets. Andy was the commander's primary kickoff returner. Gibson, over three kickoff returns, averaged 26 yards per kickoff return. Uh, Gibson's touchdown reception, really good. The Taylor Heineke second quarter, third and eight, nine-yard shotgun touchdown pass to Antonio Gibson. Gibson did a really good job of making sure that he got both feet in bounds and making the catch in the back of the end zone and suing extra point Cut the commander's deficit to 14-10, but also on that drive, the fifth snap, Gibson, a second and 10, 20-yard under center handoff run. Uh, the commander's ninth offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's 31-yard field goal with eight seconds left in the third quarter. Tenth snap of the drive, Antonio Gibson, a second and 10, 10-yard pistol handoff run. The 11th snap of the drive, Taylor Heineke, a first and 10, eight-yard under center boot completion to Antonio Gibson. The 12th snap of the drive, Antonio Gibson, a second and two, four-yard shotgun handoff run. Uh, the commander's 10th offensive drive resulted in the Joey Sly fourth quarter, 19-yard field goal. Second snap of the drive, Gibson, a second and 13, five-yard shotgun handoff run. Also, Antonio Gibson drew a big penalty. The commander's sixth offensive drive resulted in Joey Sly's second quarter missed 47-yard field goal attempt Third snap of the drive, third and six for the Commanders at the Packers 39. Antonio Gibson drew a five-yard illegal contact penalty on corner Eric Stokes, negating a lost fumble by Taylor Heineke. That resulted in a 62-yard fumble return for a touchdown by corner Rasul Douglas. The Commanders' overall rushing offense in this game ended up being good. Uh, running backs Brian Robinson Jr., Antonio Gibson, and J.D. McKissick, and Curtis Samuel. You add up what those guys did as ball carriers in this game, a combined 36 carries for 162 yards. That works out to 4.5 yards per carry. So the commanders ultimately did take advantage of a major weakness for the Packers. The Packers, through week six, were number 32 in the NFL, dead last in run defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metric for the 2022 regular season. And the Commanders ended up dominating the time of possession battle in this game. The Commanders won the time of possession battle by 14 minutes, 14 seconds. Uh, some other items from this game. We have yet another injury at tight end for the Commanders. Boy, they just cannot enjoy good help at the tight end position this season. So Logan Thomas was inactive for a third consecutive game due to his calf injury. John Bates did return from a one-game absence caused by a hamstring injury that he suffered in pregame warm-ups for the win at the Chicago Bears on Thursday Night Football in Week 6, although Bates was not targeted in this win over the Packers. But Cole Turner, uh, so he had no receptions on two targets, and he suffered a concussion. Uh, the commander's 
Seventh offensive drive resulted in a late second quarter three and out. Second snap of the drive, Cole Turner suffered a concussion on a Taylor Heineke second and six shotgun and completion intended for Turner as he, in attempting to make a leaping catch, had the ball knocked away by safety Adrian Amos and then hit the ground hard. So hopefully Cole Turner uh, is doing well and uh, is able to recover from this concussion quickly. But man, it's like every five seconds, it feels like another commander's tight end is uh, getting injured in some way. Uh, Armani Rogers in this game, three receptions for 28 yards on three targets. Uh, right tackle Samuel Cosby was active on Sunday afternoon, but did not play in the game. He had been inactive for the commander's previous two games due to a finger injury on his left hand. He reportedly underwent thumb surgery on October 4th. Cosme was wearing a massive club on his left hand. Uh, the commander starting offensive line was Charles Leno Jr. at left tackle, Andrew Norwell at left guard, Tyler Larson at center, Sadiq Charles at right guard, and Cornelius Lucas at right tackle. Going to be very interesting to see if when Cosme is truly good to go, we see him at right tackle or right guard. Uh, Cornelius Lucas, to me, is doing a very nice job at right tackle in place of Cosme. Uh, some special teams thoughts. So you did get another big play from commander special teams in this game, a big takeaway uh, in this game. Now, the commanders only turned that takeaway into three as opposed to seven, but still, you're seeing some good stuff from the commander's punt coverage team these days. Uh, Packers receiver Amari Rodgers, not to be confused with commander's tight end Armani Rodgers. No, that's not confusing at all, but Amari Rodgers in the first quarter, a lost fumble on a muff catch of a punt safety. Percy Butler recovered the fumble, but the ensuing commander's offensive drive resulted in a field goal as opposed to a touchdown resulted in Joey Sly's first quarter 22-yard field goal that cut the Packers' lead to 7-3. Speaking of Joey Sly, uh, he missed a field goal attempt for a second consecutive game. Uh, Joey in this win over the Packers, 3-4 of four on field goals. He connected on a first quarter 22-yard field goal that cut the Packers' lead to 7-3, but he missed a 47-yard field goal attempt in the second quarter as the ball went off the right upright. We got a doink in this game. Uh, Joey Sly did connect on a 31-yard field goal with eight seconds left in the third quarter for a 2014 commander's lead and did connect on a fourth quarter 19-yard field goal for a 23-14 commander's lead. So the three field goal makes for Joey Sly on Sunday afternoon were more or less chip shots, field goals of 22, 31, and 19 yards. The miss was a 47-yard field goal attempt. Uh, Joey Sly now in this 2022 regular season at 7 of 9 on field goals. He and the win at the Bears was wide left on a 48-yard field goal late in the fourth quarter, and that was a significant miss. That miss kept the commander's lead at 12-7, but that did end up being the final score of the game. Uh, Punter Tress Way in the win over the Packers over four punts, averaged 48 yards per punt and 44 net yards per punt. Uh, Tress Way overall is having another good season, but I wanted to note two punts in particular from him in this game, each punt coming in the final minute of a half. So Tress late in the game had a disappointing punt. It's not often we call out Tress Way for a bad punt, but I'm going to call him out here. He, in the final minute of the fourth quarter, with the Commanders nursing a 23-21 lead, had a mere 24-yard punt that was fair caught by receiver Amari Rogers at the Packers' 18. Now, I know that Tress was trying to avoid a touchback, but a 24-yard punt to just the Packers, 18, not good. And the very next play was a 28-yard shotgun completion by quarterback Aaron Rodgers 
to receiver Sammy Watkins. Uh, also, though, for Tressway in this game, final minute of the second quarter, a 68-yard punt that was quite the adventure. So the ball was downed at the Packers' one by safety Percy Butler off great hustle by Butler and also safety Jeremy Reeves, who barely missed being the first player to touch the ball. But what was initially ruled was that corner Kristen Holmes was the first player to touch the ball, and he had been pushed out of bounds, so the Packers were poised to get the ball at their 20 on a 19-yard player out of bounds on kick penalty prior to the automatic review with the play happening within the final two minutes of the first half. So ultimately, justice was served, but uh, that was dicey uh, for a few moments anyway, but still ultimately a 68-yard punt for Tressway in that spot. And then one more thing, props to Commander's head coach Rod Rivera for a key challenge in the game. You know, I've gotten on Ron for some bad game management, so it's only fair to credit him for good game management. The Commander's ninth offensive drive, a 16-play, 72-yard drive that ate up 8 minutes, 48 seconds off the clock, resulted in the Joey Sly 31-yard field goal with 8 seconds left in the third quarter for a 2014 Commander's lead. The ninth snap of the drive, first and 10 for the Commander's at the Packers' 38, Taylor Heineke ruled to have been the victim of a sack strip for a fumble that was recovered by tight end John Bates for a 13-yard loss. Ron Rivera astutely challenged the play with the idea that the play was an incomplete pass, and Ron won the challenge. Uh, That challenge got back 13 yards for the Commanders, and the drive, as mentioned, resulted in a key 31-yard field goal by Joey Sly. Up next, college football. Uh, The Commanders weren't the only area team with a big homecoming win over the weekend. Maryland had a homecoming win over the weekend. The Terrapins are having their best season in years. I'll discuss the Terps' victory over Northwestern, despite being with that quarterback, Talia Tungavailoa, to become bowl eligible. Uh, I'll talk about Liberty's jaw-dropping route of BYU and a lot more after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's talk college football week eight of the 2022 season. We had a stunning result in the state of Virginia. More on that shortly, but Maryland. Uh, it improved to 6-2 overall and 3-2 and in the Big Ten with a 31-24 win over Northwestern at CQ Stadium in College Park, Maryland on Saturday. This was the Terrapins' homecoming game, and this was a successful homecoming game, although it was not an easy homecoming game. Uh, bottom line, though, the Terps improved to 6-2 for the first time since the 2010 season and reached bowl eligibility on their earliest date since 2001. Uh, now, Northwestern is not a good team. The Wildcats are 1-6 overall and 1-3 in, in the Big Ten. Uh, this was very much a game. The Terps overcame a 17-7 second quarter deficit. They won the second half 21-7, but the Terps played without their star quarterback, Talia Tungavailoa. Uh, the Terps starting quarterback was not Talia, as he did not play due to an aggravated sprain right MCL that he suffered in Maryland's previous game the 38-33 win at Indiana now two Saturdays ago, October 15th. The Terps starting quarterback was Wake Forest transfer Billy Edwards Jr. Uh, he is a local. He went to Lake Braddock Secondary School in Burke, Virginia. It took him a while to get going, and you know he certainly wasn't always helped out by his offensive line, uh, but he ultimately made enough plays to win. Uh, Edwards quarterback the Terps offense that went 8-16 on third downs. Uh, he went 18-28 passing for 166 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. You know, he wasn't dynamic, but he did have a good touchdown pass, a late third quarter, second and 10, 30-yard pistol play action touchdown pass to receiver Rakim Jarrett, who finished with eight receptions for 82 yards and a touchdown. And Edwards was very impactful as a runner. He officially finished with 16 carries for 66 yards, but that was due to him taking four sacks. He had some big runs, including a fourth quarter, third and one, 32-yard shotgun keeper run. Here was Terps head coach Mike Loxley during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening on how close Talia Tungavailoa came to playing in this game. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, we, we tried to practice him earlier in the week. Um, we saw how he responded, you know, on the middle of the week on Tuesday or late Wednesday, Thursday. We didn't get many reps out of him. Um, you know, the goal was to try to have him at least as an emergency but we made the decision, you know, late in the week to say, hey, let's shut it down. Um, we think we felt confident in Billy and his ability to execute it, and uh, he came out with just that. Yeah, you know, Mike Loxley would never say this, but given that the Terps on Saturday were playing a bad team in Northwestern, and given that the Terps now have their bye week, uh, I think that the thinking with Talia Tungabailoa was, hey, let's see if we can have him not play against Northwestern, and then he'll have two weeks off, and that now is what he'll have. A tremendous game for Terps running back Roman Hemby. 24 carries for 179 yards and three touchdowns. He averaged 7.46 yards per carry. Hemby had a tie-breaking fourth quarter, first and 10, 75-yard pistol handoff touchdown run. The ensuing extra point Gave the Terps a 31-24 lead. You know, Mike Loxley has developed this Mike Shanahan-like touch in terms of having a number of different running backs have 100-yard games for Maryland during Loxley's time 
at the school. I don't know if Roman Hemby is the best back who Mike Loxley has had as Terps head coach, but Hemby's up there. Hemby is really good. He so has a nose for the end zone. I mean, it feels like all the guy does is score touchdowns. He had three more touchdowns in this game, and again, 24 carries for a buck 79. Uh, the Terps defense was mixed. The Terps did hold Northwestern quarterback Brendan Sullivan to just 143 yards on 24 pass attempts, 5.96 yards per pass attempt, and intercepted him twice. But the Terps also allowed Northwestern to go 9 of 14 on third downs. And the Terps had trouble stopping the run. Northwestern running back Evan Hull, 20 carries for 119 yards. Northwestern finished with 46 carries for 215 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Also, the Terps continued to have a penalty problem. Eight accepted penalties for 80 yards. But the Terps won. Uh, They are having a really good season. They are, among others, receiving votes for the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, which came out on Sunday afternoon. Next up for Maryland, a bye week, and then at Wisconsin on Saturday, November 5th. So Maryland on Saturday won at home, but Navy on Saturday lost at home. Uh, Navy fell to 2-5 and five overall and 2-3 and three in the American Athletic Conference, a 38-20 loss to Houston at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland on Saturday afternoon. Uh, this game really wasn't close. The midshipmen trailed in the first quarter 14-0, trailed at the half 21-7, and trailed in the fourth quarter 38-14. Navy's defense was a major disappointment for a second consecutive game. The mids allowed Houston to generate 441 total net yards of offense, average 6.9 yards per play, and go 7-12 on third downs and 2-2 on fourth downs. Uh, the mids got shredded by Houston quarterback Clayton Toon. Uh, he sung a quite a tune at Navy's expense. Uh, Clayton Toon went 21-30 for 261 yards, five touchdowns and no interceptions and had nine official carries for 43 yards. Uh, Navy sacked him just once, although it was a third quarter sack strip that resulted in a fumble return for a touchdown by Navy. But the mids allowed Houston running back Stacey Sneed to have 20 carries for 100 yards and things could have been a lot worse for Navy. Houston actually committed four fumbles, including three lost fumbles, and yet still Navy ended up losing this game by 18 points. Uh, Navy's offense did do some good things, but ultimately was not good enough. Mids went 7-14 on third downs, totaled 50 carries for 201 yards and a touchdown. That only works out to a little more than four yards per carry, but multiple Navy backs had good games. Slot back Mikel Haywood had five carries for 51 yards. Fullback Daba Fofana had 20 carries for 89 yards and a touchdown. But Navy quarterback Ty Lovatai had a very mixed game. Uh, he went to 6-13 passing, although he threw for 125 yards and a touchdown. That works out to 9.62 yards per pass attempt and a whopping 20.83 yards per completion. Lovatai had two completions to receiver Jaden Umbarger that totaled 93 yards, including a 41-yard touchdown pass deep in the fourth quarter. But Lovatai also threw two interceptions and had 16 carries for just 30 yards, and he took just one sack, so it's not like his rushing yardage total was ruined by sacks. Uh, also, Navy had some special teams problems. Kicker Daniel Davies 0-2 on field goals, including a late second quarter 41-yard field goal attempt that was blocked. Here was Navy head coach Kenny Amatololo during his post-game press conference on Saturday afternoon. Well, you ran into a buzzsaw today, Gut. Got our butts whipped in all phases, coaching, all three phases. You know, we'd been pretty solid on special teams till today, and we had some, you know, some boo-boos that, that hurt us. You know, it's a good, good football team, and 
actually played like the team that was picked to win our league. You know, I mean, they were preseason. It's all kind of who they were today. Just unfortunately, we hit a bus all today. I thought they played well on both sides of the ball. Uh, give them credit. Disappointing loss. Um, kids battled to the end, but obviously wasn't good enough. No, it wasn't. And the Mets now at 2-5, and five, very much in danger of having a third consecutive losing season of having had 15 winning seasons in 17 years from 2003 through 2019. Next up for Navy, home to Temple this Saturday afternoon at 3.30. Well, if I ask you which college football team in the state of Virginia is the best team this season, I don't know how your answer isn't Liberty at this point. Uh, What a win for the Flames on Saturday. The Flames, they are flaming right now. (laughs) Uh, A 41-14 blowout of BYU at Williams Stadium in Lynchburg, Virginia. Liberty improved to 7-1 and overall. The Flames are among others receiving votes for the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll, which came out on Sunday afternoon. Liberty is the number two team among others receiving votes. So the Flames essentially are the number 27 team in the FBS for the latest AP poll. Uh, Liberty's offense in this route of BYU was outstanding. 500 47 total net yards of offense, 7.1 yards per play, 7 of 12 on third downs. The Flames won the time of possession battle by 18 minutes, 16 seconds. And keep this in mind, Liberty is playing its third string quarterback. The guy who was supposed to be Liberty's starting quarterback this season, Charlie Brewer, uh, he has been out since suffering a broken hand in Liberty's season opener. The Flames QB2, Caden Salter, Uh, He was out for a third consecutive game due to a groin injury for which he underwent surgery. And so third-string quarterback Jonathan Bennett was Liberty's starting quarterback for a third straight game. And he was great, 24 of 29 for 247 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. He took no sacks, and he had eight carries for 46 yards. Uh, Here was Liberty head coach Hugh Freeze, the former Ole Miss head coach, during his post-game press conference on Saturday evening on Jonathan Bennett. I'm so happy for JB. I'm just so happy because he takes the he takes the brunt of uh, of a lot of our inconsistencies that we've had this year with our injuries, and um, just for him to uh, raise his game tonight um, in such an important night in the history of our program I just man that's just so dang awesome and um, I'm just so happy for JB and to be able to to experience this moment um, so uh, that that's gratifying but our kids man they just they just had a we had a great game great plan great execution of it and um, I've been holding some back a little bit offensively, as you saw, but um, maybe I shouldn't do that and make some of these other games quite um, so interesting. But really, it came down to JB being a, a consistent quarterback tonight, using his legs when he needed to, his checkdowns when he needed to, and um, you know, I mean, I thought just I, I, I'm, I'm rambling, but uh, it's a big night. And um, I made it big from Monday. And I debated if that was the right thing to do. But I think our players know me. And if I said anything other than that, I think they would have thought, man, man, Freeze ain't been – he's not being – 
he's not being true to himself. And so I just told him point blank, this is the biggest game in, in school history. How about that? Biggest game in Liberty football history, according to Hugh Freeze. Uh, Another key player for Liberty was running back Day-Day Hunter. Monster game for him. A monster day for Day-Day. 23 carries for 213 yards and a touchdown. 9.26 yards per carry. And he had four receptions for 31 yards on four targets. I mean, BYU isn't a great team necessarily, but BYU on September 10th, had a 26-20 double overtime win over then number nine Baylor. Liberty on Saturday smashed that BYU team by 27 points. Uh, next up for Liberty, a bye week, and then at Arkansas on November 5th. So Liberty had a great Saturday, but Virginia's two teams in the Sunbelt Conference did not have great Saturdays. James Madison lost its second consecutive game since being the number 25 team in the Associated Press Bowl. The Dukes Fell to 5-2 and two overall and 3-2 and two in the Sunbelt Conference with a 26-12 homecoming loss to Marshall at Bridgeforth Stadium in Harrisonburg, Virginia. JMU led at the end of the first quarter 12-2, uh, then lost the rest of the game 24-0. Uh, the big item from this game for James Madison, its star quarterback Todd Centeo did not play in the game. Uh, he was out due to an injured oblique muscle that was suffered in practice in the day's leading up to this game. And so the Duke starting quarterback was Billy Atkins. And uh, Billy, shall we say, struggled. Uh, He went just 13 of 35 for just 164 yards, a touchdown, and four interceptions. And he took seven sacks, including a sack strip that resulted in a lost fumble. So he committed five turnovers, four picks, and a lost fumble. Uh, Next up for James Madison, a bye week, and then at Louisville, on Saturday, November 5th. And Old Dominion, like James Madison, lost its homecoming game on Saturday. The Monarchs fell to 3-4 and four overall and 2-1 and one in the Sunbelt Conference with a 28-23 homecoming loss to Georgia Southern at S.B. Ballard Stadium in Norfolk, Virginia. Disappointing loss for ODU, especially considering that it was coming off a big win. The 49-21 win at Coastal Carolina the previous Saturday afternoon. That was a big upset. ODU was an 11-point underdog in multiple shops. Next up for Old Dominion at Georgia State this Saturday afternoon. We move now to the Wizards. Uh, Two games for them over the weekend. Friday night, a 102-100 win over the Chicago Bulls at Capital One Arena. The Wizards for this game wore their retro blue and bronze jerseys. Uh, Blue a 17-point third quarter lead, but Got a big bucket from Bradley Beal, a tie-breaking three-foot pull-up bank shot by Beal near the left block with 7.4 seconds left in the fourth quarter for a 102-100 lead. The Wizards in this game actually never trailed in the second half, uh, but then on Sunday night, the Wizards fell to 2-1 and one with a 117-107 overtime loss at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, This was some game. The Wizards blew a 10-point first quarter lead, but also overcame a 15-point third quarter deficit and overcame a 10-point fourth quarter deficit. The Wizards then lost the overtime period 14-4. Three major problems for the Wizards over the weekend. Uh, One was turnovers. Uh, Turnovers have emerged as a significant issue here for the Wizards three games into their 2022-2023 regular season. The Wizards on Sunday night at 20 turnovers 
including four turnovers in that overtime period in which the Wizards got outscored 14-4. Bradley Beal played for all five minutes of the overtime. He, in the overtime, committed two turnovers and scored just one point. Uh, Not what you're looking for from your Supermax contract player. He, for the game, committed six turnovers, although he did lead the Wizards with 27 points. I mean, it's not like Bradley Beal was hideous in this game. 27 points, like I said, 0-1 on threes, 11-15 on twos, 5-7 on free throws. He also had five assists, four rebounds, and two steals. But yeah, I mean, in overtime, you'd like for more than a point versus two turnovers from Bradley Beal. Uh, Also, Will Barton on Sunday night committed five turnovers off the bench. Uh, The Wizards in the win over the Bulls on Friday night won despite committing 17 turnovers. The Wizards in their regular season opening 114-107 win at the Indiana Pacers last Wednesday night won despite committing 17 turnovers. The Wizards over three games have 54 turnovers. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's way too high of a turnover total. Uh, Another issue for the Wizards, lack of free throws. The Wizards are not getting to free throw lines nearly often enough. The Wizards on Sunday night, just 15 free throw attempts to the Cavaliers 25. The Wizards went 9 of 15 on free throws. The Cavs went 22 of 25 on free throws. So the Wizards on Sunday night got outscored on free throw points 22-9. And how about the win over the Bulls on Friday night? The Wizards won that game despite getting it tripled up in terms of free throw attempts. The Wizards had 11 free throw attempts to the Bulls, 33. This was the Wizards' regular season home opener, (laughs) and yet they got tripled up in terms of free throw attempts. The Wizards went 10 of 11 on free throws. The Bulls went 27 of 33 on free throws. And then a third issue for the Wizards, offensive rebounding. Uh, the Wizards on Sunday night had just four offensive rebounds to the Cavaliers 16 and thus just 14 second chance points to the Cavs 24. Uh, the Wizards in the win over the Bulls on Friday night won despite having just five offensive rebounds to the Bulls 10 and thus just four second-chance points to the Bulls' 15. Uh, The Wizards' defense on Sunday night was mixed. Uh, The Wizards allowed the Cavaliers to go 13 of 33 on threes, did hold the Cavs to just 28 of 63 on twos. Uh, But the Wizards had problems with Donovan Mitchell, who went 5 of 12 on threes, finished with 37 points. He did go just 7 of 17 on twos, but Denny Avdia had a hard time defending Donovan Mitchell. Avdia actually got in a foul trouble in the game. Uh, the Wizards on Friday night held the Bulls to just 7 of 27 on threes. That was good, uh, but the Bulls for that game were without two key players in Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine due to left knee injuries. Uh, Corey Kispert still has yet to play for the Wizards in this regular season. He has missed all three games uh, due to a sprained left ankle. And Johnny Davis has yet to play for the Wizards this regular season. He has been a DNP CD in each game, despite the Wizards having taken him with the number 10 pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Next up for the Wizards, home to the Detroit Pistons, Tuesday night at 7. And before we call it a show, let's talk some Capitals. Uh, They have a game on Monday night at the New Jersey Devils at 7. The Caps played one game over the weekend, a 4-3 win over the Los Angeles Kings at Capital Win Arena on Saturday night. So the Caps now are 3-3-0. They, on Saturday night, overcame a 2-0 third-period deficit 
won the third period 4-1. Second straight win for the Caps in which they rallied in a third period. The Caps in their 6-4 win over the Vancouver Canucks at Capital Win Arena last Monday night, October 17th, overcame a 4-2 third period deficit and won that third period for nothing. Uh, the Caps have not looked great so far this season, including that ugly 5-2 loss at the Ottawa Senators this past Thursday night, but the Caps are 3-3-0. and uh, Remember, too, the Caps are missing a number of key players. Uh, forward Connor Brown on Saturday night did not play for a second consecutive game due to a lower body injury that he suffered in the win over the Canucks. And center Nicholas Backstrom and forwards Tom Wilson and Carl Hagelin have been out all season so far, and it may be that only Wilson will play in this regular season. He's coming off surgery to repair a torn left ACL. He suffered the injury in the Caps 4-2 win at the Florida Panthers this past May 3rd in Game 1 of the Caps' six-game loss to the Panthers in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, the Caps, in their win over the Kings on Saturday night, dominated the puck possession battle. It was good to see this. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had 58 five-on-five shot attempts to the Kings' 42, including 14 five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Kings nine. Uh, the Caps top defense pair had a great game. Talking about defenseman Dimitri Orloff and John Carlson. Orloff had three third period assists, including two primary assists, had a game high tying three block shots, registered three shots on goal, and finished number one on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 68.75. The Caps with Orloff on the ice in five on five situations in the game had 33 shot attempts versus allowing just 15 shot attempts. And John Carlson had a third period even strength goal, a third period secondary assist, a game high eight shots on goal, a game high tying three block shots, and finished number five on the Caps in five on five shot attempt percentage for the game per natural stat trick at 61.9. The Caps with Carlson on the ice in five on five situations in the game, 26 shot attempts versus allowing just 16 shot attempts. Uh, the Caps on Saturday night were physical. They out hit the Kings 32-16, so the Caps doubled up the Kings in hits. Uh, forward Alex Ovechkin did go pointless, did have a game-worst time plus-minus rating of minus two, but he also had a game-high six hits to go with three shots on goal. Uh, we did have another so-so game from goaltender Darcy Kemper. He stopped 23 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced, but the Caps went 1-1 on the penalty kill. Uh, they committed just one penalty the entire game, although the penalty was by center of Genny Kuznetsov. He committed a second period high-sticking minor in his return from a one-game suspension for a high-sticking penalty in that win over the Canucks. So the Caps did go 0-3 on the power play. Here was Caps head coach Peter Laviolette during his post-game press conference on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it. It's obviously not the start we're looking for. You start 0-2, right? You don't you don't dream about all summer going 0-2. And um, we got to put it behind us and uh, focus on the last five games of the month here. And so today was the first step. Yes, it was. And this game for the Caps at the Devils on Monday night is game one of a four-game road trip. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 428, will feature much more on the commanders of them improving to three and four with the 23-21 win over the Green Bay Packers at FedEx Field on Sunday afternoon. We on Monday expect to have the day after the game press conference of head coach 
Ron Rivera. Also on Tuesday's show, we'll talk Capitals with them playing at the New Jersey Devils Monday night at 7. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. Hail to the Redskins, and let's beat Green Bay. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.